0: Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org.
1: That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver, breaking news. Two things, actually. One, it looks like the bobert frisch race in CD3 is going to a recount. Frisch pulled within the mandatory recount range late yesterday afternoon, so we're not done with this one. And two, about an hour later, at the Denver Public Schools board meeting, the board was set to vote on five proposed school closures. But then Superintendent Marrero again slimmed down his list to only two math and science leadership academy in athmar park and denver discovery school in central park the board was divided as usual but not on the recommendation they ended up saying a resounding no so the school closure conversation will continue check out our november 16th episode for more on the dps drama but for now it's friday and we're back in the lindy zimmer studio at westward and we're talking about the news Today is Friday, November 18th, 2022. I'm Paul Caroli, and this is CityCast Denver. It's
0: mine like, up really high,
1: because I have a short torso. Sylvester Stallone's worst 80s action movie, Short Torso. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's not real. no. <laughs> welcome back to CityCast denver the show about the city where you never know who's on edibles
0: <laughs> it's true yeah i think that about when i see people driving barring the snow i'm talking like regular driving sometimes i'm like is everyone on the street high right now <laughs> probably some because they're weaving and going 14 miles an hour
1: Well, it's something I can't stop thinking about since we did this giveaway, this edibles dinner giveaway after uh, Chef Farina came in. We've got so many crazy stories of people on edibles. It's like, is everyone doing this all the time?
0: Rue, are you an edibles person?
2: I prefer my flour uh, in different methods because once you eat it, you eat it. That's true. That's it. There's no going back. A lot of people don't know that then you eat like non-infused food and it makes you even more high. So it's a real journey. Oh, Mm.
0: we learned this recently, my husband and I, because our friend flew out here from Kansas City to go see the Mars Volta, and that night they had some beer, they had some edibles, they had some mushrooms, they had some weed, but (laughs) it was the Viva Burrito, or no, I'm sorry, it was the Tacos Rapidos Burrito they had (laughs) at 2 a.m. that brought all the oils in and Mm -hmm. set him off, and we had to call the paramedics, he was fine.
2: Wow. It's a real entourage effect, indeed. (laughs)
1: Um, Okay, well, I mean, I mentioned the giveaway. That giveaway is still ongoing. The deadline for entries is midnight this Sunday, the 20th. So if you have a crazy edible story and you want a chance to win a private dinner cooked by a world-class cannabis chef, Jared Farina, chef royalty, all you have to do is send us a voicemail and tell us that story. Uh, The number is 720-500-5418. But we got to get to the show. Yeah. Cuz we got a fun one planned today. Bree has spoken. Bree is here. Hi, Paul. And we have a great guest. She's the founder of Rue Black Consulting, a longtime colleague of Bree's at Westward, fellow writer, uh, a longtime champion of the local music scene, and I just learned the rare big fan of metal straws who also has great enamel. Rue Johnson. Yes, <laughs> welcome.
2: I, I am smiling so affirmatively, especially about the metal straw. piece. please put that on my writer. Thank you. Hello. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, Rue, we are so glad to have you here because this week the big news, at least in our world, was yet another hip hop club got shut down, or not shut it's down. Pretend,
0: it's in hanging in the balance. Yes,
1: um, it's Rue Bar on uh, at thirty-four. No 40- relation.
0: I know. I was thinking that. I was oh, like, yeah. no relation to Rue. <laughs> You are R U, this is R-O-O, <laughs> Rhubar.
1: Um, Rhubar, if you're not familiar, it's at 3480 Park Avenue West. Um, and this is, uh, well, this is just the latest one of these hip hop clubs that's been targeted by the city. They've been given a show cause order. So that means that the owners are going to have to show up to the Department of Excise and License in uh, December and Defend explain themselves. why they should get to keep their liquor license. Um, but Bree, give us the background here. What's, what's the backstory?
0: I mean, starting in January of this year, it looks like the police have been called several times a month to this bar. Um, the bar's argument here is all this stuff is happening in the parking lot. I think the city is saying, these are your patrons. Um, we're talking fights in the parking lot. Uh, someone got hit with a baseball bat. I, Oof. I, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to say like usual club stuff, but it's not. I didn't read anything I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um Unlicensed security guards carrying weapons. A gentleman in full security garb, including a shirt that said "security," who then claimed he was not
1: security. That's a thing, though, right? That's like a fashion statement. Some people wear a security, but he had like shirt. an earpiece and a bulletproof. Yeah, remember,
2: you know, tactical gear is there. You can't find that at Charlotte Russe. You know, what I mean?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it could be a fat. You know, he could be a no- he could be a leftover No Limit soldier.
2: Hey, listen, you know, you we don't know. know.
0: But um, they've just had a lot of trouble, yeah. and I-, I can see where the city is concerned. People fighting in parking lots, brandishing weapons, it's scary and it sucks. But I, I think the owner also makes this point, which is in the Westward piece uh, by our friend Connor McCormick Cavanaugh, the owner basically says, the city also has told us up front they don't want hip hop clubs here and they don't like hip hop. And his argument is hip hop, the hip hop crowd is what keeps my business going, so this is who I'm catering to. Um, so I, I see where the city's coming from, but I also think there's this underlying issue of Denver notoriously finding ways to shut down hip hop clubs.
1: Hmm. Well, Rue. I, I wanna hear your thoughts on every aspect of this. I mean, what, what about your, just your first impression off the
2: top? Well, hip hop started in, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, but I, <laughs> I make those jokes because um, oftentimes when we talk about hip hop, like how most Def speaks about it in his album, Black on Both Sides, he said that we oftentimes consider hip hop like the beast that lives off in the hillside and off, like kind of this like uh, thing that we don't exactly understand. And I've talked about that a lot in my work because um, it's important to understand the kind of the culturally relevant delivery aspects of why hip-hop exists and then the communities to which it serves. Mm. Some of my friends who would like to couch this article as a standard kind of like hit piece on hip on rap music probably might disagree with me a little bit on this. Um, but when I read that article, the first thing I thought was like, don't put that on us, first of all. And by us, I mean hip-hop, because there's a difference between working in hip-hop and then being a member of the culture of hip-hop and then trying to do both things. and I really believe that um first of all, hip hop music is played in all the clubs out here. It doesn't it, it so there is no such thing as a quote hip hop club because It's what? not mm-hmm. as
0: segregated anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like when even when I was, you know, in the early two thousands growing up here, it was definitely more like indie quote indie mm-hmm. clubs didn't really exist, but they certainly weren't playing hip hop mm-hmm. until the end of the night, I will never forget. I would go to an indie night, and then the last song would be like Nelly.
2: Which well, is, you know just like, what I mean? Well, it's, it's like it's, it's, very, it's, very, still, it's, it it's still your it little as, sister's hip hop, right? But it's, it, so, and it yes. also,
0: but it also treats it as a novelty mm-hmm. versus a, a whole culture that now is our, I think it's our dominant culture Mm -hmm. musically as a country.
2: Right, so and that's why I think when it comes to like, what we're really talking about here is like actual, um, you know, cultural connection. So that's why I'm talking about a culturally relevant delivery model because when I read that, the first thing I'm thinking to myself is like, actually in hip hop we take care of each other and we have a full view and gaze of what's going on. And that doesn't happen at my events, right? right? Because everyone knows that I will literally get up and drive to your house and rip your television off the wall because that's kind of the idea of the, that's, that's my favorite one to be like, you know, if you mess up my party, I'll rip your TV out the wall. But um, the point I'm, what I'm making here is that there's like a leadership capacity that's connected to the culture. So people behave a certain way when they are really dialed into the culture. Meaning you come to a Rue Johnson event, you know that we're going to hang out. We might like drink coffee, smoke some herbs, whatever, have a good time.
0: Yeah, but also going to shows. Hip hop crowds are treated way differently. You and I know just from being in this, community for so in the music community for so long like you said you you know you go to a show at you see the disco biscuits at red rocks versus seeing um gosh who was that school boy q
2: at red rocks oh, and like what happened with that exactly you know what I mean? wait what happened that with is that? such a great example thank you for bringing that up tell me what happened
0: well i was I went to that show. Mm-hmm, you were there. I remember. Because I was trapped in Red Rock yes, for were. hours yes. afterwards, And we were
2: calling each other and I was backstage Whoa. and they were like um, basically extracting Nas um, because – What happened essentially was Schoolboy Q had been in town and played the Ogden previously. Mm -hmm. During that time, he jumped into the crowd and like slapped someone or threw a cup or something completely ridiculous. So he was not Denver's favorite artist. He returned to Red Rocks playing the Flying Lotus, Nas, uh, Something on the Rock, Feed the Rocks. It was supposed to be like a, some sort of a nonprofit event. Um, and my good friend actually was his driver. And they said that a person just came out of like the, the shadows at Red Rocks. At Red Rocks, okay? At Red Rocks. Can you imagine an emergency at Red Rocks? Like, you're toast. Yeah. And they pulled out a gun, and my good friend, like, Jeez. actively saved Schoolboy Q's life. He got shot, the manager got shot, and he, like, raced them down Santa Fe. And that's what ultimately saved their lives. At Red Rocks. Can you imagine? And then meanwhile, people are inside, like, seizing to Flying Lotus, right? Like, (laughs) raging around, you know? And that's, like, a real, like, operational emergency. Um, And it was not necessarily, quote, blamed on hip-hop because it was at Red Rocks. What do you think about that? Versus the
0: venue Uh being one where we, quote, unquote, usually see the hip-hop crowd.
2: Yes. Yes, indeed.
1: Hmm. So what are the good clubs now? Where where are the best places? Where are the cradles of hip-hop in Denver today?
2: So, um, well, you know, again, to go back to my initial quote, quoting Mos Def, you know, he says, if you ask me where hip-hop is going or where hip-hop lives, I tell you that's where I am, right? That's where <laughs> I live. And and that's important because when we say things like, well, where, are, where is hip-hop or where can I listen to this music? You can listen to it anywhere, and it's sometimes I want us to be very specific about what we're saying, so the question really is where does the urban community exist safely? That's one question. If we're asking, where is the cradle of hip hop? I could tell you it's at Ophelia's, you know, where um, that's really a great place set up for people who play in bands and do that kind of music. I love Ophelia's, okay? I do too. Um, But my favorite place is actually Cervantes' Other Side because I've seen like Kitty Crimes play that place and blow it out. And then I've seen like- Bahamadia. Yeah, you know what I mean? I've seen like West Side Boogie. I mean, it's just my favorite place for real to see live music. Um, But if we're asking where is the urban epicenter- in our community where people can exist and hear the music and whatever the real place is agave shore in 5 points
1: huh agave shore i don't think i've ever heard anybody talking about agave shore before i have, before.
2: have I. I brought the heat for you coco i, I love, love it. it agave shore okay number one i don't actually drink tequila at all because if i did i would just promptly go get my guy paul here we'll go get on the mic you know it's just its crazy <laughs> so i don't drink tequila however it's a um like a tacos and Tequila bar. They have other spirits, mm-hmm. but that place is in Five Points in the little plaza, and it's uh, black owned, and it's really an epicenter for. It's like that's Black Cheers for sure.
1: Right by Spangling it, that Right group? connected, okay. literally
2: on the same little path. Mm-hmm. I know it. I know it. Yep. Very cool. Yeah.
1: But you're
0: making a great point because that where the community gathers, where people come around to, to connect with each other and music is is the underlying piece of that is very different than the place you go to brunch that plays Dilla's Donuts right you know what I mean <laughs> oh my
2: gosh, like I, it is yes yes or like um even I guess what I'm also saying is that like hip-hop is the soundtrack of many cultures and I think in general it there's a hip-hop song that can be pointed to for lots of different things that we're experiencing um and we don't necessarily see that kind of like tactical disturbance that we're talking about with, with rubar. The other problem with rubar, just to kind of note, is that strategically, I guess operationally, it's positioned in a terrible place. When I went there the first time, it was like, trivia and chicken wings and then i went back recently and it was like coachella you know so i don't know what the difference you know what i mean
0: take on it too Mm -hmm. was like it's been around in many iterations over decades it was in cherry creek for a long time oh yeah but i wouldn't say that was the the crowd you know what I mean the crowd I don't understand I don't know what the crowd is either because
2: that area so the other thing is I was reading up all of the Google reviews (laughs) because I was like (laughs) what are people saying about rhubarb? because there's a gang of reviews because it's been around for so long so when you look first it's like oh my gosh I came in and I paid Ping-pong or whatever, ping-whatever. I don't know any games, but I like played this game and then I ate some chicken wings and I answered some questions on Jeopardy mm-hmm. and whatever. And then you start to see, like, I was there and a man got hit in the face with what, you know? So you can see so when it changed. changed. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I don't know, but that area is very interesting because it's not necessarily like Cherry Creek or no, Hale or kind whatever, of a right? No
0: man's land because it's like right under the viaduct. If mm-hmm. you've never been to Rhubar, if you're coming out of the city, on Park Ave, uh, no, is it Park Ave or mm-hmm. 20th? It splits out and it's like you can get go to 38th, you can go to I-25 North, I-25 South, maybe I-7. I mean, it's just like a viaduct mm-hmm. and it's kind of tucked away in this corner, mm-hmm. which can be awesome in a lot of ways because it does often mean the rest of the world leaves you alone but it also can mean wild shit can
2: <laughs> happen. It also means if you live in that apartment building right, right. there and you, you're thinking you're gonna go down to the Starbucks and get a little cortado or whatever, you might run into like, because of the way it's positioned. So that's what I'm talking about structurally, factually. The other problem with Rhubar is that it's just in a terrible place for there to be like problems. So you know when you go to Vinyl, you know when we, where Old Westware used to be, that parking lot behind the building that's across from Temple, I used to live there mm-hmm. a million years ago, and we, uh, it would be like, you know, World War Three out there after the club. Sometimes, yeah, we're talking so, about the strip of clubs on Broadway. On Broadway, on Broadway yeah.
0: around Eleventh and Twelfth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the it was tucked behind that be big
1: nuts. building, mm-hmm.
2: so no one was really seeing it. But in Rubar, if you're in there, if you're at a, you know, if you live over there, if you're at the vet- the little veterinarian place, it's got a stray shot. I mean, it's just not set up for the kind of, um, I would say, um, operation they have.
0: What do you think about the owners kind of putting it on hip hop and saying? We can't make any money. We don't play hip hop. How does that feel to you as somebody that produces events for the community? It
2: feels like red herring, right? It feels like a, um, uh, you know, what my, um, I guess what my hipster friends would call a nothing burger. (laughs) <laughs> what the hell are you talking about, my boy? Now, I'm being, again, I'm speaking as a consumer because I also exist in this community and I can go wherever I want and I should feel safe. Right. That is not what he, that person is talking about. I read that quote and I really felt a little bit like what you. Our painting and the way you are contextualizing this is almost more dangerous mm. than th- what we are actually talking about because you're saying oh well I can't make any money if I don't play hip hop. Okay, that's fine, but you know what? When I go into the little coffee shop in my neighborhood, the little baristas, they play the dopest like downbeat lo-fi stuff and I have never once been pistol whipped by a barista in there, okay? so
1: So he's just passing the buck, not taking responsibility.
2: I think that it is it's that version of it of of blaming hip-hop for problems that exist. To me, that is the same kind so of So he's not
0: even defending yeah. hip-hop as no. I initially took no. it. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, I agree. The city's not treating hip-hop clubs right. But he's not actually... No.
2: That's why I was saying I'm, and I, I feel you. Okay, I'm trying. I'm like speaking as a consumer, but also as someone who works in the industry. And I had some conversations with people who we know who you know are promoters and stuff. And I was like, no, we have to explain that this is a bad actor. So in the cannabis yeah. community, if you are operating in the regulated market, you can't go and do nefarious sh- things that operate from the perspective of having people question you. Right? Mm-hmm. To me, what we are reading in that article, you know, I don't know whatever but what we read in the article to me that is a bad actor
1: Hmm.
2: and I people are not they would not be happy that I said that but it is the truth and the reason why we have to operate in that way is because these people own this club they also own many other clubs and they you know of course we talk about beta and all these other places I want hip-hop to be able to exist and I want to be able to operate in any genre in any place in this community and we need to operate safely
1: well, I think that might be the right place to, to end this part of the conversation. I think you put a really nice button on it. Um, but before we move off of the nightlife uh, scene, there is one other piece of news that I want to get your alls take on. This was, um, oh, this was a, a, I read it in Westward, but the news was uh, around the old Chapultepec building down by a ballpark. It was purchased by the Monforts. And with they intend to-
0: They own the Rockies.
2: Oh, the, the, okay. The yeah. Monforts. All right. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. So right but, across from the, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's literally across from course. I went to my first baseball game earlier this spring, I had a ball. Anyway. <laughs> you liked it. Oh, that's great. They gave me a certificate because my friend, it was ridiculous. Anyway, I loved it. I had so much fun.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, now baseball fans are going to have a new place to stop for a beer before or after the game, I guess, because they're talking about converting the old Chapultepec space and the space next door to a new, bigger venue that they say is going to have some jazz elements. Why? But I don't know. What what do you all think about the old El Chapultepec space?
0: I feel like let it be. Like let it rest. It was what it was. I think reading all the coverage of El Chapultepec's closure, the owners consistently said, the baseball crowd is the majority crowd around our venue and they have no interest in what we're doing Mm -hmm, here. mm -hmm, In -hmm. fact, it makes most of our patrons annoyed, I think, that they have to deal with it to get to the jazz club. So I, I would almost feel offended. It kind of reminds me of, I, I really enjoy Carbon, which is now in Paris, on the old Paris-on-the-Platte mm, space. Mm, I like that place. Mm. I don't love that they have pieces of the old Paris-on-the-Platte hanging on the wall in frames. It oh, makes me, do they? Yes.
2: I didn't know that. I loved, you know that, you know my, pl- I love that place. It's great. It's yeah. great.
0: I mean, it's a great place, but that's how I feel this might go. It's like, here's this wall of jazz f- photos of guys no one in this current <laughs> establishment
1: cares about yeah right? want another jaeger bomb
0: yeah <laughs> like why would you do that so i mean strategically the Montford's buying the bar caddy corner to their massive i mean they're gonna i joked about this yesterday on twitter this is gonna be monfort town down the road from (laughs) cronkeyville they've got mcgregor square they've got coors field now they've got el chapultepec and we won't know 10 years from now if you didn't know el chapultepec you have no idea that it was there
2: yeah and putting something on the wall like in a frame doesn't do the actual justice of like making sure people respect the culture of what that place was in my opinion right right well you can't
0: i mean it, it that crowd is not interested in no. respecting the culture of this being a, a a stop for jazz musicians from all over the world
2: i drink whiskey in there and hurt listen to jessica jones like play it was just one person playing the guitar and her like singing and i just like immediately felt like i was like back in the 60s because it was like just me i should be like smoking a cigarette and crying over a man and she was like wailing so hard and i was like this is actually perfect even though there's not that many people in here this is the kind of place you go to hear that and i don't know maybe that will be kept there i don't know i don't know
0: but you aren't gonna Mm want to go down there no No. No. (laughs) (laughs) ma'am but you know what
2: you know what's across the street (laughs) yeah el tejon right? It's like a Mexican place and they own the the place that's called Loaded right next to it and do you know that every single Tuesday more than 500 people show up for Taco Tuesday DJ Squizzy Taylor. That's where the hip hop is. He hits me up. He's like, oh come. He's like, oh come and like hang out on the roof. You know, you can sit down. I'm like, oh street tacos. I'm hungry. I show up. They take me up through the uh, the elevator. There's a line down the block. I was like, oh maybe these tacos are popping. I go upstairs. They open the door and it's literally Coachella for real. It was turnt up. So Squizzy Taylor is putting like 500 plus people in there on Tuesdays. It's a hot tip.
1: I know.
0: It's also Damn. like I think Taco Tuesdays are kind of BS, but I would go for a good DJ. I went in there looking for the tacos for real.
2: I was like, "Where, where are these chicken tacos?" All right, all right.
1: We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with uh, we'll be back with a fun segment.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peyonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. This episode is brought to you by the Denver Botanic Gardens. It's time for the 75th annual spring plant sale at the Denver Botanic Gardens. Mark your calendars for Friday and Saturday, May 10th and 11th. Admission is free, but you must register in advance at botanicgardens.org. Registering my husband, Greg, right now for the plants I want him to pick out and plant in our yard for me. Shop from 15 different plant divisions, including annuals, houseplants, herbs and veggies, and specialties like aquatics, container garden in a bag, and plants grown right at the gardens. The garden's horticulture staff will be on-site to answer any and all plant questions you may have. This sale emphasizes water-smart and native plants that are perfect for our semi-arid climate. They'll be great for a beautiful landscape that doesn't require a bunch of water. For more details, registration information, and a catalog of available plants, go to botanicgardens.org. That's botanicgardens.org.
1: And we're back. All right, so we're not talking about news anymore. Instead, we got something fun to talk about. This one, uh, this one comes from you all, our wonderful, brilliant listeners. Uh, one of you recently sent us a text message with a very interesting question. Uh, they say, there's a TikTok trend of where I would take you in your city if I hated you. I'd like to hear the answer to that question from the hosts. So this came in a couple weeks ago. I've been thinking about this,
2: struggling for weeks. Rue, Brie, who wants to take that first? I want to hear Rue's take. I'm so ready. If I hated you and we were in Denver, I would take you to a sold-out show at the Ogden and make you park in the Wendy's parking lot. <laughs> you wow. want to know why? Wow. Because only people who are really from Denver know that your car will get towed, okay? Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> it's like, a trap. It will get towed. They, I was like... I was taking a guest of uh, some philanthropists out and he met me at Corday, this rap show. I was like, okay, this is great. Real suited up, man. Mm-hmm. And I get there. He's already there waiting for me. I was like, what are you doing? He was like, oh, I parked right there. And I was like, oh, no. And then sure enough, we saw his Tesla getting towed within two minutes <laughs> off of that. I was like, oh well, it got cold, it got like towed <laughs> off of Colfax. That's pretty hip hop to me, you know? <laughs> I love that. I would take him to the Wendy's parking lot.
1: You know, I had I had parking in Cap Hill, but that is that's way more specific. That's so much better. That's oh, so that's so better. good.
2: That's so
0: good. <laughs> mm. That is a trick and a trap mm-hmm. that yep. people
2: fall for all, all the time. All the time, mm-hmm. still. Yeah. I feel more That people just park there. It's like you're gonna see them. You're like you know
0: that guy that took 15 bucks from you does not work <laughs> right? in that park. That parking lot is not a. It's a, a Wendy's ra-
2: park. That's a lot. raincoat, not like a construction <laughs> yeah. coat. Like what are you doing? <laughs>
1: All right, Breen, what do you got? Where would you take me if you hated me?
0: Well, I'd start with taking you down to Lodo for either opening day or my people's holiday, St. Patrick's Day. If you want to be around the worst people in Denver who are wasted at 11 a.m., Lodo right around Coors Field is the spot. Mm-hmm. The most annoying drunk people you've ever seen. And I'm not yes. saying this as a sober person. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that even when I was a drinker, I didn't go do that because it was awful um and then i'd probably take you to dinner at hacienda colorado if you want the worst <laughs> white people mexican food you've ever
1: had hacienda i don't know if i've ever heard of this
0: mexican food with altitude
1: no mm. this, this is a... oh Rue, have you, you,
0: you i've know not this?
2: been there but i've heard i'm familiar because it's kind of like the gag that it's bad okay awful where is it
0: uh the one that i'm thinking of is on colorado boulevard at i-25 yeah like
2: south Oh man, I'm gonna a try pass it all the them. time.
0: Oh, I'm sure you do and you don't even notice it. And don't bother to go there because it is the worst food in
2: the world. <laughs> kind of curious now actually. <laughs> well, but. you know I've never been to Casa Bonita, but that's another show. I know that I, ne- I just I see your tweets about it all the time and I'm like, is the when food that it reopens, bad? Okay, we have to
0: go. We'll go. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll mm-hmm. go.
2: <laughs> <sighs> well, I've got
1: one.
0: Yeah, I was like Paul.
1: I I this one is like it's kind of personal but I don't know. Um Rocky Flats. You all know Rocky Flats? No. Rocky Flats is, uh, well, if if I hated you, I would invite you on a hike to the beautiful Rocky Flats National Wildlife Refuge.
0: And hope that I don't Google Rocky
1: Flats. Yeah, well, and then we'd get there and then I would reveal that it is a former nuclear weapons plant that a lot of people think is still dangerous. I personally think that the billion-dollar cleanup, you know, seems like it was run pretty well. But uh, yeah, we Radio could go there. Radioactivity here, huh? We could go on a little hike. <laughs> I could talk about it for too long.
2: No, I was like <laughs> stroll I feel like through you've an, done an a old, hole. like hollowed-out silo or something, to <laughs> see what's really down there.
1: All right, well, listeners, we want to hear from you too. If, where where would you take us if you hated us? Yeah, let, leave us a, a voicemail with your name and neighborhood. You might hear it on the show. Our number is 720-500-5418. Again, that number is seven two zero five zero zero five four one eight. Well, Rue Johnson, Brie, thanks for joining me today.
2: Thanks, Paul. Thank you. Thanks, Rue. Fun. Oh, super fun. <laughs> it was so Great. fun.
1: And finally, normally we wrap up our Friday shows with a little recommendation for your weekend, a little roundup of all the cool stuff happening in Denver. But we already agreed that there's really only one place to be the weekend before Thanksgiving in Denver. It's a little bit different this year, but this Saturday, people be coming from all across the metro area to help pack up Thanksgiving meals for those in need. It's the annual Feed a Family Drive in honor of Daddy Bruce Randolph.
0: Who you may know as the street name, Bruce Randolph, or the school uh, over in northeast Denver. But Daddy Bruce also was this amazing gentleman who moved here from the south in his 60s and for 30 years ran a barbecue restaurant that regularly fed the community whether you could afford to pay or not, and he did these annual events. And uh, I talked a little bit with uh, Councilwoman Candy Dabaka about her personal experience being a recipient of the Feed a Family box, but also going on to be a leader in helping the community put those boxes together and bring people in to do that work with her. So here's a little of that conversation
3: did you guys just get off of another interview <laughs> pretty much <laughs> it's been kind of crazy i today. know i'm jumping from <laughs> zoom to zoom myself
0: <laughs> oh zoom life councilwoman candy say the Baca,
3: welcome back to citycast denver thank you for having me so i'm thinking about denverites
0: who maybe didn't know daddy bruce or reverend wooding or or haven't been a part of this
3: event before Why do you want folks who aren't familiar with it to know and care about this event? You know, this is something I started getting involved in probably when I was about 12, 12 years old. Our family had been a recipient of the food boxes. And we knew that it was always a place that we could go when we needed food for Thanksgiving. Um, And so by the time I got to middle school, I had started an after-school job with the Urban League. And one of my favorite bosses of all times, Randy Craven, um, he used to make it part of our, our job that the youth staff had to go and volunteer at Daddy Bruce. And I had never actually been a part of the packing boxes until that moment. But when I saw the community effort that goes into it, it was just... One of those moments that really showed me that what community was all about and inspired my love for the work that I do and have done my whole career. When you get there, it's it's a sight to see. All of Bruce Randolph for about three or four blocks gets shut down, and there's a huge conveyor belt in the middle of the street and hundreds of volunteers in the best holiday moods packing boxes um, that'll get sent to families all over the city but primarily in the 80205 zip code and that is amazing to me but it it blows my mind to think of how the event originally started and it was daddy bruce in a restaurant cooking food for all of those same people um and people just coming up and grabbing their food and sitting down in the middle of the street at a table or taking it into the restaurant and breaking bread together for the holidays. That's what it's about. And giving people an opportunity to just help someone out.
0: Also, I think it's important. Daddy Bruce was in his 60s when he moved to Denver. And he decided to, you know, to start a restaurant. This was like his second act in life was to serve people that he was just getting to know himself. And by the time um, he passed on in the 90s, he was like, I mean, I knew who he was as a kid. And I I think that that's so cool to think about this one person's drive
3: to bring everybody together to help each other. You know, that's one of the reasons that I fight so hard for community. Um, When I was growing up, it was easy to know a person your whole life, to live next door to someone your entire life and multiple generations. And when you had that kind of connection to each other, I think it was easy for for people to just take care of each other no matter what it costs. So for me to like honor someone like Daddy Bruce, but also Reverend Wooding is, you know, part of my culture.
0: Can you tell me more about Reverend Wooding? Because I have to say I'm not as familiar with his story other than I read a piece in Denverite that kind
3: of talked about how he got involved what can you tell us about who Father Reverend Wooding was? Wow. Reverend Wooding was really someone who lived his entire life to honor someone else. That That's a different level of a community servant. You know, Daddy Bruce lived his life to serve the community and keep the community fed and happy and healthy. Reverend Wooding lived to keep Daddy Bruce's uh, legacy alive. And so he was the one who did the major pushes for fundraising. He was the one that kept the core volunteers engaged. He was the one that got the media engaged, that established many of the partnerships year after year that guaranteed the ability to feed over 12,000 families every single year. So for listeners who are, are learning about this for the first time, how can they help out this year? Um, they can definitely donate. Um, I can provide you the links, but they're pretty easy bit.ly forward slash daddy bruce um 2022. 20, yeah, 2022. Um, but also just showing up, you don't need to sign up to volunteer, just show up on Saturday at any time, get there as early as you can, and you'll see people lining up in the street and unpacking boxes. All you got to do is go inside the church. Um, they'll probably have signs where you can go grab a T-shirt and they can put you to work. But I think the best volunteers don't really need the instruction of what to do. They they see what's happening on the line. They get in where they fit in and they get to work. Yeah, it's not It's not complicated. It's not just, complicated. Sh- just literally show up. Yep, yep. Just show up. There are veterans who show up every year who will be more than happy to let you know what they need your help doing. And you can be one of those people when you see an empty station on the boxes, you know, fill it in, help someone see that they can fill it in when things are running low on the on the unpacking, unpack something. It's very easy. It's also a time to to know that even if one year you were on the packing and giving and volunteering end of things, it's okay for you to come back and be on the receiving end, too.
0: I like that sentiment. I think it's important for us to not differentiate and just understand some folks are here to serve, some folks are here to receive, and that can go either way at any time.
3: Yep. That's that's like see like going home for the holidays. That's grandpa's house. That's where you go regardless of what your needs are to get filled in a range of different ways.
1: And that's all for the week here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, Lizzie Goldsmith, and Aaron O'Toole. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter, Hey Denver. Bree Davies is our host. Our music is by Los Mocochetes, with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, follow us on Twitter at Citycast Denver, and tell your worst enemy about us the next time you see them. You can sign up for that daily newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866 and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. See you next week.